Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, baby. (laughs) For all the listeners, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you guys. So much. (laughs) (laughs) Gushy. (laughs) What? (laughs) I just thought of the word gushy. Gushy. Gushy Valentine's Day. Yeah. I hope that you get whatever you like to get on Valentine's Day. Whether right. it's flowers, chocolates, mm-hmm. solitude. Right. Dick. Dick. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> you get whatever your heart desires. Pussy. <laughs> well, who cares about? Well, no, there's girls who get pussy. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I, I was not thinking about the gays. I'm yeah. so sorry. How girls. dare you? Girls, I would like to make a public apology to the lesbians <laughs> and the bisexual women. <laughs> We do hope you get pussy. I really hope you get pussy. I want that for you. Boys, I don't care. <laughs> I've already said something incorrect. We just started recording. It's not very PC of you. Uh, this is a mini-sode. Yeah. Our so. second mini-sode. Yeah. Um, the sun is shining today. The Can sun is shining voice? today. Yeah, we are so excited. We're going to go sit on a fucking porch today. My depression is zopped. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's not quite there, but I do feel happy about getting sun this week. I'm so excited. It's <laughs> yeah, like two I'm solid really days of sun and 60 degree weather. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be... I almost wore open toe shoes today. I was thinking that if by the time we actually go to a patio, it's hit 60, I'm going to put my dock sandals on, which yeah. I miss so much. I was literally like, man, I can't wait to expose my feet. <laughs> I'll wait for you guys to see my toes. <laughs> and then Ooh, you dip let the dogs out. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I did have an update before we sing oh, our yeah, song yeah, yeah, yeah. about Stanley Cups. Yeah. Turns out there's lead in them. <laughs> and they're wow. all like, it only like gets exposed to you if like there's, it's damaged, if the cup is so, damaged. So like if you run it through the washer, which I would do. Over and over and over again. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, someone's going to wear down. But it's just like the idea that there's lead in it in general is like I want to see hilarious. the Venn diagram of like moms who are very very afraid of lead which uh, uh, we can all be afraid of right lead. yeah but there's you know what there's like a certain type of mom that's like, like really afraid obsessed. of lead yeah and then there's women who have Stanley, like Stanley cups, cups. And, and that's just... I feel like there's an overlap. There's it's, a, it's just a circle. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Do your research, ladies. Yeah. That's an interesting update. Yeah. But that was it. It was a short one. But I saw a news thing about that yesterday, about how, like, the Stanley people were like, yeah, that's true. I saw a girl in the airport with a Stanley. But she was, like, a college student. Yeah. She was in front of me. They're big and... For and co- <laughs> they're big for college students too. Oh, I I was picturing it as more like a chuggy millennial thing. No, how have I been left out of this? It is a chuggy millennial thing, but also you know very Chugi much a college student thing. Yeah, are the college students becoming less cool? These girls were sorority girls, which respectfully. I know yes. you were in a sorority. I do think are the least cool. I'm the least cool? No, sorority girls. Oh. <laughs> are like, I think, the least cool college students. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it yeah. goes, like, frat boys are the least cool. Yeah. Sorority girls and then everyone else. Uh-huh. Yeah, I uh, really matched the sorority vibe for the first semester, and then I got mentally ill. <laughs> And that made you hardcore. And that made me hardcore and a lot funnier and a lot more like radicalized. Really? It made you a lot cooler. Yeah. It made me embarrassed to have that sorority (laughs) sticker on the back of my car. Now you have fun, cool stickers on your car. Yeah. That say, if you throw trash out your window, I will haunt you. Because if there is anything, if there is a crime (laughs) that makes me the most angry. Yeah. Throwing trash out your window. Even murder can be justifiable under the right circumstances. (laughs) You know? Like if you're like self defense like if there's but if it's trash in it no if it's already in the trash just squish it because yeah if it's already in there yeah true true if you've caught it i don't think littering is ever justifiable oh ho 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 let's, let's go, go girls, girls. Okay, our topic <laughs> of our mini-zone today is platonic love. Yeah. Because it's Valentine's Day. Yes. Yay. Yay. And we have a friend tradition. Yeah. Between the two of us that we started last year and we're doing again this year and we'll probably do... For the rest of our lives. <laughs> for Valentine's Day that we thought we'd share and then we have a couple discussion... Yeah. Discussion topics. Okay, yeah. do you want to share our tradition? Yeah, going? sure. Because okay. you're the one who suggested it and I was like, whoa. So when Sarah moved back to uh, OKC last year. 
I had said, I think I just said we should do some Valentine's Day thing. Yeah. And I was like, but we don't like, you know, we could do it the weekend after. And Sarah was like, why don't we just do it on Valentine's Day? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. And I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. I didn't think of it because it's just kind of this given in our culture that yeah, with your girls. Like Valentine's Day. You celebrate it a different day. And so she said that and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So we went to a restaurant here, a nice restaurant. Like yeah. we got like dressed we up nice. Like we're going to do this romantic. Yes. Like, we're getting dressed up. Yeah. We're going to like a traditionally I had a filet mignon. Restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like nice food, all couples there for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. We probably absolutely looked like a couple. Yeah, we already, um, we already look like a couple everywhere we go. In general, yeah. And it was so fun. It was so fun. It was so fun. And... Just, I think it was extra special that it was on Valentine's Day. Yeah, same. Because I have always, because I'm always single, I think I've been in a relationship on one Valentine's Day in my entire life. And it was when I was already planning to break up with this person. Yeah. And so I've really, sorry like, for... Sorry to this man. <laughs> sorry to this. Not at all. He's the guy. He's the one who broke the Samsung yeah. Galaxy in half. And so I think I, like, have always struggled with Valentine's Day. Not because I'm, like fuck all you people who are in love, but just because it f- can feel very, like, solitary. Yeah, I feel like single people are just completely left out. Yeah. I, we talked about this on our last minisode, mm-hmm. actually. I feel like on with a lot of holidays in general, mm-hmm. like, single people can be kind of left out in a way. Yeah. But Valentine's Day is the only one that's, like, you're completely excluded. There's no mm-hmm. version of Valentine's Day for single yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Where other holidays, there are, there are options. You have tons of yeah. options. Mm-hmm. It just can feel a little bad. Yeah. Where Valentine's Day, you're, like, completely excluded from the equation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I thought, like, I love Valentine's Day. Yeah. And I've done a lot of, like, Valentine celebrations. Yeah, we're probably going to do some stuff. But it felt really nice to do, like, the equivalent of Valentine's Day yes. with a friend. Yes. Like, to be, like, really doing it up. Uh-huh. And and even, like, I remember the conversation. We talked at dinner about our friendship mm-hmm. and how much we love each other. Am I going to cry? <laughs> and it, it was, like, a really beautiful. And we have mm-hmm. talked recently because we were like, we need to do that every year. We're going back to the same restaurant. Yeah. Like, a married couple. Also, yeah. the restaurant we go to is, like, it's not, like, the trendiest. No. <laughs> it's, like, where you would go... If you'd been married for, for like 50 years. years. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to go to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. We also were going to invite some of our friends to do like a dr- single girlfriends to do drinks afterwards. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it was just really yeah. special. Yeah. It felt really special. It felt like it was my first Valentine's. Like we were kind of opposite. Mm-hmm. It was my first Valentine's single mm-hmm. in my entire adult life where yeah. I would even like have the possibility of like doing a nice Mm -hmm. dinner and I think the reason I suggested it is just because I was like I don't want to be yeah I don't want to choose to be sad about this and also like I think at least towards the end of my marriage like we Mm -hmm. had several valentine's days that were not did not feel special and did not feel nice so it's like I'm just in a place in life where I'm like I want to choose to yeah make this what I want it to be Mm -hmm. and we've also talked lately about like I think if one of us got a partner Mm -hmm. Valentine's Day is mine, bitch. Yeah, I would still, <laughs> I would be like, we can, I, I think it's like, you don't want to like completely shut that person out. Right. Like, if it was me and I got a partner, I would be like, this is a tradition I have had with my friends since before you existed. Yeah. I'm not changing that for you. Mm-hmm. We can do something else to make it special, but like, right. I'm doing this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The partner gets the weekend after. Yeah. Which Because I, why not? I think a lot of people would have a problem with that. Yeah. And I get, I kind of get why in the sense that it's like, it might hurt their feelings and it's like, okay, but are your feelings not, it would hurt your feelings if I stopped doing a tradition yeah, we be, did forever would be so hurtful. It would yeah, hurt my it would feelings. Devastating. If you stopped doing it with me. <laughs> so it's like, why is your, I think so often we prioritize your romantic partner's feelings mm-hmm. over everyone else in your life's feelings. And it's like, I don't think that always is okay. No. I think in some instances, okay, yes, this is your partner. You need to prioritize their feelings. Yeah. Like for example, in situations where it's like, okay, well, you're not cheating, but I'm uncomfortable with this person in your life. Right. That's a situation where it's like, okay, yeah, you need to prioritize your partner's feelings over that. Mm -hmm. But like, there are a lot of situations where like, I think we're prioritizing that one person's feelings too much. Yeah. Anything else about our tradition? I'm excited. I'm going to get chicken fried steak again. I'm going to get a filet mignon again. I love their chicken fried steak. I've never been a chicken fried steak person. Listen, uh, 
My family loves the Cracker Barrel. I love the Cracker Barrel. I love the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and they have breakfast, chicken fried steak. That, so like if we went, um, I love their breakfast, but if we went for dinner, mm-hmm. I would always get like chicken fried steak. Yeah. <laughs> and up, up until I went to this restaurant, which for local people, we always go to Cheevers. Yeah. Up until I went to Cheevers, I had only had chicken fried steak at Cracker Barrel, <laughs> which is probably why I think Cheevers is so good. But they are yeah. like known for their chicken fried steak yeah. and it's delicious. I don't think I've... I don't remember ever going to Cracker Barrel for dinner. My family is... It was always breakfast or brunch. All day, every day, baby. We love Cracker Barrel. It was the hangover restaurant in college. Oh, we had Mm -hmm. two local breakfast places, whole and wall breakfast places that were the hangover places, Mm -hmm. but biscuits at Cracker Barrel Mm -hmm. just slap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a whole meal that's just biscuits, and sometimes I just get that. Yeah. It's just like biscuits and different jams, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. like, I think meant to be like an appetizer or something to Sometimes share. I'm like, like, I want all the biscuits. <laughs> it, just, it comes with one other. I can't remember what it is. It's, but it's basically just biscuits. Yeah. You can do half and half biscuits and cornbread, mm-hmm. but I like the biscuits better. Yeah. Anyways. But they do have good chicken fried steak. <laughs> Not cheaper's quality, but. Yeah. I haven't been in forever. We should go to Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Man, Where even Cracker is Barrel. a Cracker Barrel here? Probably up in Edmond. There's one kind of down near Norman. Yeah, the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the city. The city folk are too good for Cracker Yeah. <laughs> Listen, okay, fine. But you know what I want to do when I get breakfast? I want to play checkers and I want to shop. Yeah. For the most insane the things. triangle golf tee game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the table. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I want to sit on a rocking chair while I wait for my table. Yeah. I want to shop in a store that carries only absolutely we, unhinged let's items. Let's do it. That sounds really fun. We do a remote episode (laughs) at Cracker Barrel. At Cracker Barrel. That would be so funny. Yeah. Wow, we have to do that actually. Yeah. Sponsor us, Cracker Barrel. (laughs) So that's our Valentine's tradition. Yeah. Love it. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. I guess we were just, it's a good segue into we had talked about like one very difficult part of having Mm -hmm. like really close friendships or being single for a long time is the idea that when you get a partner, yeah. That is a hundred percent of the time tough transition in a friendship. Yeah. Have you experienced this personally? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, I been think everyone a has constant cycle. Yeah. As the perpetually single on purpose friend for yeah. sure. I'm it trying does to suck. think when I first started dating my ex, my closest fr- girlfriend at the time. You know what? Actually, that was what made created some beef with my roommate who was, like, my best friend in college, and it, like, ruined our friendship. Yeah. I think that is a situation where I don't regret how I handled it because I felt like she was kind of unfair. Yeah. Like, where she didn't really talk it out with me. Like, if Mm -hmm. she had brought – if she had tried to talk to me about it, I think we could have worked things out, and she just didn't really seem interested in that. Yeah. Shout out to her. You know who you are. (laughs) I doubt she's listening to this. (laughs) I feel like it's just a really hard thing to navigate when you have, like, two single friends and then one of you starts dating someone. I feel like that was hard even this year. I was dating someone kind of casually, and that was a, like, kind of weird transition for us. Yeah. Yeah, I struggled for sure. Yeah. I think it's just, like, the feeling that you are automatically now, like, secondary. Yeah, which in that situation you weren't. But I think even when you're not, it can feel that way. It was, yeah. I mean, I think during that situation specifically... It was hard not to feel that way just because it's like, okay, you know, at the end of the day, if we've all been hanging out, I'm the one who has to leave. And even if that doesn't mean I'm secondary, there is like a, okay, I guess I'll see myself out kind of feeling where it's like, okay, who gets the intimate alone time? Who gets the sleepover? Who gets, you know, like all of these things that like really are much more intimate than most of like the interactions I think friends have even with us and I think that's like always like it it feels bad it feels feels bad and even going out you know it was like you know y'all driving together was hard yeah I think I remember there was some day at Stone Cloud where I was just like for some reason it was the fact that y'all drove home together and I drove home alone that was like ugh. I feel like that sucks even with it it doesn't always but even with like your friends that have like established relationships. I Mm -hmm. feel like it's just that feeling where like you're the only one that's not. It is like that end of the night, like Mm -hmm. people go home together and it's not about like 
sex. No. It's like everyone has someone to go home with and then you're just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I even bye. thought that this weekend just because you were gone. Yeah. And I went out Saturday night. I was like, oh, I don't have anyone to ride with. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, oh, I'll ask, you know, so-and-so. And I was like, oh, well, no, they're probably driving with their partner. Yeah. You know, unless I know one of our friends is not going with their partner, I, you know, and sometimes I'll offer a ride. Yeah. It's like, damn, okay. You know, like yeah, my- having someone to like walk to your car with is nice. Yeah. It, it's like a very little thing where mm-hmm. it's not like, oh my God, this is devastating, but it's yeah. like a little thing that's just kind of like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm makes cheap. you kind of aware of your aloneness. Yeah. And I think this weekend, it was like, okay, you're just gone for this weekend. I right. think, I you know, over the town. summer and stuff, it's like, and I'm just using this because it's the most recent example yeah. and you can kind of, you know, chat with me about it because you were involved. But like, it was like, felt like all the time. Yeah. I was and suddenly, I, and it was felt very sudden. Suddenly yeah. I was driving to most places alone. Yeah. And I think that's why when another friend of ours, it wasn't even a partner, was offering you rides. And I was like, I, I am the carpool buddy. That's my wife. <laughs> Stop <laughs> offering. Or if you're going to offer, offer me too. Because <laughs> I, I think I wouldn't reach out early, you know, because yeah. I'd just be like, in we my head, I'm assume. assuming. And then someone else offers and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's also like, like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's hard on both ends. Because yeah. I remember like the person I was dating over the summer was clingy as fuck. <laughs> well, he was clingy, but also like was not someone I ever saw myself being with long term. It yeah. was not someone I would be like, this is my boyfriend. It's not someone I would ever be like, this person is more mm-hmm. important than my friends. And it was really, it's hard to be like, I, I want you included in everything. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to do, if we're going to all hang out, I want all of us to hang out. But then it's like, I can tell neither of you is having as good of a time because you wanted to have quality time with me. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then it's like this very awkward, like, I always feel like in that situation, at least during the transition period, it's like, it's like a can't win situation almost when you're the one stuck in the middle, because Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't think either party, your Mm -hmm. partner or your closest friend is ever going to be, you know, you're always having to like, figure out prioritizing time with each person. It's just confusing. Mm -hmm. Which like that situation was a little less stressful for me because I was like, this sounds, whatever, it sounds terrible. But I always felt like I could break up with this person at any point and it wouldn't be like the end of the world. (laughs) You know, like if this gets to just feel like too much, like Mm -hmm. I can just break up with this person. Yeah. I'm sure his feelings would be hurt if he heard that. But whatever. Yeah. He I think was it was not very nice to me, so yeah, no, fuck him. <laughs> I think it was harder for me just because we like than it has been with, with other, other friends. friends. Yeah. Just because we were so I think we just attached. rely on each other for a lot of quality time. And that I think is kind of the crux of why it feels so bad is because when as the single person, when you have a friend find a partner, they don't need you for as much. Yeah. My needs as a single don't friend change. don't change. Yeah. So suddenly there feels like there's an imbalance where it's like, I still want to I still want rides. I still want quality time. I still want Valentine's Day together. Yeah. I still you know, all of these things that's like it nothing changed on my end yeah. as far as what I still want from the friendship, but it changes for the other person, which is normal and natural. Yeah. But it's just like and I think for me as someone who's always on the other end of that, yeah. I think it just, it feels, it can really start to feel for, for people who are single more often, like a, this cycle of, I'm always like this placeholder for intimacy. Yeah. That's the phrase I feel like I've used a lot because it's like, those friends need you for intimacy, for emotional support, for like a ton of stuff. You know, you're the yeah. go-to person if they had a bad day at work, you're the go-to person if they're having like a crisis and suddenly you're not anymore. Yeah. And it feels, it's just, it feels like this cycle. Yeah. Where it's like, I was just holding a place until you found someone who would fill that in a more substantial way. Because I think especially in many friendships, maybe not so much in ours, it's because 
then the expectation completely kind of changes for a lot of people that now all of your intimacy is from your partner. Yeah, which, yes. <laughs> and I also think, like, I have heard, like, friends talk about this before. I feel mm-hmm. like this is a thing, especially with, like, female friendships. Yeah. I think this, like, really is something everyone has dealt with at mm-hmm. some point. And, like, I have heard a lot of people say, like, well, you're not splitting your needs or your time, like, 50-50. You still need each of those people. Like, you're not splitting your love. And it's like, but you are splitting your time and your needs. Yes. Like, I think when you're single and you have friends, like, I think one of the things that helps the most when you're single to not feel like you hate being single is yeah. having friends that fill your kind of like emotional intimacy mm-hmm. like stuff that's I don't know when you're dating someone oftentimes you kind of like hang out at one of your houses yeah you cook together you mm-hmm. watch movies together and I think a lot of single friends don't do that together mm-hmm. but when you have a really close friend where you're like okay we do those things together mm-hmm. like if I'm lonely I can call this person it's not an inconvenience I can invite them over to my house we can do separate activities together mm-hmm. we can watch a movie we can go do errands together like things to just make you feel less lonely mm-hmm. on days when you're like ooh <laughs> yeah <laughs> e mm-hmm. <laughs> feeling like the weight of the world a right. little bit you yeah know? and I think when you have then when you have a partner all of a sudden it's like you are gonna go to that person mm-hmm. probably half the time yeah and then that single friend is just kind of left being like well I still have this same amount of need Mm -hmm. in that space where it's like then you're losing your person to turn to at least half the time yeah and I feel like people aren't like honest about that enough Mm -hmm. where it's like that is naturally what's gonna happen right I don't think that necessarily makes it wrong or bad it's like yeah that is natural but it's like but it sucks being honest about it can help being empathetic to Mm -hmm. the single friend who's kind of left out I feel like yeah and not I think the automatic response for me when When, you know, I've talked to people about, oh, man, you know, this friend, you know, now has a partner. So I kind of feel like lonely. And the automatic response, which is fair, is, oh, well, you know, reach out to your other friends. And it's like that is true. Yeah, you can. To fill that space. But there's a huge, huge difference between having this one very intimate person or like the person who found a partner. Yeah. Feeling the other half of their time yeah. with the same level of intimacy or more yeah. as they would find in that one friend versus me kind of like scrambling to like be like, okay, dinner here, coffee here with all these different people yeah. and and feeling like I have to pencil myself into everybody's lives instead of being a default. Yeah. And it's just not the same, like those, that 50% for me getting filled as the single person is very different and much more like it requires, I think, a lot of work Yeah. to try to, especially if a lot of your friends are partnered, mm-hmm. it requires a lot of work and it's a much more like a kind of scramble of multiple people yeah. at a more surface level yeah. than it is, oh, I'm now, I'm still receiving the same amount of intimacy from just two separate people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think like it's, I feel like it's this like weird stigma of like this is something that ends friendships or right. permanently changes them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, I don't, like, I feel like we had like, talked through that a lot when I was Mm -hmm. dating someone and it was like things were different during Mm -hmm. that period of time because it was like okay well this person is sleeping over at my house or I am spending time with them after Mm -hmm. work a lot of the time and it Mm -hmm. got to be too much time yeah (laughs) uh, and our time against my will (laughs) yeah our time had to become more scheduled like oh we do walks together like we have these specific times which that also can feel like a really yeah like some whiplash because it's like well it's not again not the default like now we have to like really kind of plan these times where we hang out but I think one thing that helped was I feel like when you have those conversations a lot of time as the two friends on both ends you're like which of course we each took things personally I'm not gonna say we navigated this perfectly obviously but like I think a lot of times you can get really like butthurt by the feedback and just mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, like on both ends, like, oh, well, you don't want me to be happy because I'm dating someone else. Right. Or, or like, oh, you're not acknowledging that my needs aren't being met in our mm-hmm. friendship or whatever. And it's like, I think it goes a long way to like allow for the discomfort period where you're adjusting mm-hmm. and be really empathetic towards each other. Like I remember being like, I want to have alone time with us. I don't want all of our time to be 
mm-hmm. with this other person who was probably not a permanent person in my life. Like, mm-hmm. but I remember you also being like, I can spend time with both of you. And you were not his biggest fan. No. And, and that, that really it does attitude. help when like you get when you get along. When, when you get along. Yeah, like, like I think of like and, yeah. Janelle and Mason or yeah, yeah, my sister and Charlie. Like it helps when you all get along. Yeah. <laughs> then it just doesn't even feel like I'm a third wheel. Yeah. And I feel like that was like helpful at the time. But yeah, that I feel like that situation was a little different than like you know, we are friends who like meet their significant other where it's like, oh, you yes. guys are getting married. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew, you know, it was clear like, early was- on that like for Janelle Mason yeah. was a permanent fixture. Right. And there is a different level of, there's not the, like, it's almost I had not that I like would ever want you or any of my friends to like break up no. just for the sake of breaking <laughs> no. up. No. But like there was like this impatience almost that I had of like, when is he moving? <laughs> you know, yeah. like for my sake, for not for yours, because I'm like, I just would like, yeah, things to go back to kind of how they were. And, you know, with our friends who it's like, okay, this is clearly a life partner. That impatience isn't there. Yeah. There's more of a, this is kind of a permanent adjustment we're making. And that doesn't make it any less. No, it does make it less hard. I think for me, at least. I think some people would say the opposite, probably. I feel like it's less difficult because how you were talking about, like, there is a necessary adjustment on both parts Mm -hmm. where, like, the single friend has to be like, okay, it is partly having conversations with your best friend to be like, okay, I need you to still show Mm -hmm. up for me when it matters. Yeah. But it is also like, okay, I need to meet these needs. And if this Mm -hmm. person isn't going to do that for me, I need to meet these needs. I feel like when it's a more permanent situation, that feels much more like this is going to pay off. Where Mm -hmm. I feel like when it's a more like temporary relationship, it's like I'm putting in all this effort and then things Mm -hmm. are just going to go back to normal at some point. So like, why am I even bothering with this? Yeah. Where I feel like when it's a permanent thing, it's like, okay, this is something like I need to really like look at my life and be like, Mm -hmm. what friends can I depend on if this Mm -hmm. person doesn't have as much time or energy for me, you know? Yeah. So I think that might be like mentally part of why it's like a little easier when it's long term because it's like, okay, this is like a permanent state of being. Yes. And like the, yeah, it's like a... I'm going to put in effort now for the long term. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I think also just like up and any up and down changes Mm -hmm. in any relationship can be just difficult. Yeah. And it can feel bad if that just happens repeatedly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that is the one of the, I love my life and being single. We talk about that all the time. I think- and then we talk about 10% of the time, it sucks. And I yeah. think 8% of that 10% <laughs> yeah. is that kind of stuff in yeah. particular. I also remember like, actually, Janelle, shout out to Janelle. Janelle was like my first friend when I moved here the last time when I was- Me too. <laughs> and I remember talking to her about this like years ago. Mm-hmm. And because I was in a relationship, I also lived- in Norman, so I was a little bit of a hike Yeah, for most of our friends. And I noticed, like, I was kind of being excluded from invites mm-hmm. that were, like, evening. And I was like, listen, I know that I am available for less things, mostly because I'm, like, commuting home and I don't want to drive all the way back. Yeah. But I was just kind of like, I, right now, yes, I have a partner. I'm not, like, going home and having dinner with him every night. Right. Like, he's not around. He's in night classes. Mm-hmm. He's not, like, really a person I'm spending a lot of quality time with mm-hmm. in the evening. Like, I still want to be invited. Mm-hmm. Like, it even if I say no to nine out of 10 things, yeah. I want to be like thought of and invited. Yeah. And I think like sometimes partnered friends can be also be left out in a yeah. way where it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know, I still try to, I feel like I rely very heavily on my single friends, but mm-hmm. I still try to think of like how lonely I was when I was in a really serious relationship. Yeah. And like, I still try to think about that with mm-hmm. some of our partnered friends of like, they also need an invite, which I think a lot of our friend groups are really good about. Yeah, yeah. I think right now is the first time I felt like I've had friend groups that are like a lot more intentional about like, everyone gets invited. Yeah. And I know I've said this before, but just with friendships in general, it's like, I don't 
I don't care if I'm out of town. Yeah. I remember there was a situation a a while back where I wasn't invited to some New Year's thing. And the excuse was, well, you were in Tulsa. And I was like, okay, it's an hour away. Yeah. I still want to be thought of. At least like pass along the invite because, and I've said that even with our friend groups now, like when I'm out of town, it's like, just put in the group chat. God damn. (laughs) I think group chats are amazing. Yeah. Group chats are amazing. And I think that I know not everybody is like as concerned I think well I don't know if that's true I think more people are concerned about getting the invite than would than they say they would be oh I think almost everyone I think like to not be left out of anything right and I think that sometimes like there can sometimes be you know the person who's out of town more or the single friend or the partnered friend you know the one single friend or the one partnered friend who kind of automatically gets left out sometimes And I have often found that the group that has left me out is often like, well, the whole you're not there, whatever. And I'm like, I know, I know if roles were reversed. Yeah, your feelings would be And this was happening to you, you would feel hurt. Yeah. And I think when there are the people who are so often the side of that that's included. Yeah. They just kind of don't think that, especially... Like there's like, you know, the feeling of obligation and those were kind of unhealthy friend groups. I think that's very different with the friend groups I have now, but I do think more people would be affected by that than people like to admit because then they have to admit that they were doing something hurtful. Yeah. And people don't like to do that. Yeah, I feel like this is the first time as an adult where I've had like very mixed friend groups where it's like, it's not just a mix of genders. Mm -hmm. It's like a mix of relationship statuses. Mm -hmm. It's not like all the single people are girls or all the single people are guys. Like Mm -hmm. people are married, people are dating, people are engaged, people Mm -hmm. are single. It's like almost, I think, gets rid of the problem of being left out because you're single. Yeah. Where I feel like occasionally people are left out and that still feels bad. But Mm -hmm. I feel like for the most part, having a group chat and having like a, a very like healthy mix of people. Mm hmm. Is like no one is being left out for like dumb reasons, you know, where it's like, oh, well, we were just doing a couple's thing and you wouldn't like it. Yeah. Because it's like, of course I would. Yeah. I want to go to that. Right. And I feel like the the big difference for me with these friend groups, too, is I was telling someone about this the other day. and I don't remember who I was talking about how I felt really left out with one of our friend groups at the end of last year, mm-hmm. it was kind of just miscommunication accident. Yeah. But I was really, I was like deeply hurt. Yeah. For, you know, and I was hurt more than I think a lot of people would be. And I think anybody would have been hurt in that situation yeah. to some extent. But I think I obviously, because of my history and my, you know, <laughs> CPTSD and triggers was deeply hurt. And I'm used to the response to that being, well, we don't have to do that for you. Well, you shouldn't be hurt. Well, you're overreacting. Yeah. And I was really, it made a huge difference, even though it still took me like a couple weeks to kind of feel like I've reset. Yeah. It made a huge difference with the way this group responded because y'all knew I was hurt. Yeah. Even even like Jaina, who wasn't there. Yeah. I think you said, reached out and was like, I think Maggie's not okay (laughs) or something like that. And it wasn't like a, oh my God, you're being dramatic. That's so annoying. It was like a, oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like that does suck. You you know, Dan, I think texted me and was like, hey, this is why that happened. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And then we had a conversation and you were like, I understand the the phrase you said was, I understand the gravity of this situation, Mm -hmm. particularly because of my history and stuff, I think. But it was just miscommunications happen. People can't read people's minds. You know, like that stuff is going to happen in any friendship. And that is that. And then the response of like, uh, I acknowledge that this was painful. Yeah. Makes such a huge difference versus the, well, we weren't obligated to invite you. Yeah. And I feel like it's such an easy, like, I think we had like a conversation about it and I knew what was Mm -hmm. going on and we like talked through it and it was Mm -hmm. fine afterwards. But like even our friends in that group of friends that you didn't really like talk to about it. Yeah. I was like touched, like just in very little ways being like, hey, Maggie, we missed you. We're so happy you Mm -hmm. came today are like very little things that it's like, I think a lot of times in groups of friends, especially like people just kind of like 
I think it's really easy to take your individual friendships and a group of friends for granted. And it's like, I think when one person's feelings are hurt, Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff happens in any friend group. Like you're dealing with all these different personalities Mm -hmm. and everyone has different needs and everyone, there's miscommunications Mm -hmm. all the fucking time. We have that group chat running eight days a week with (laughs) one million text messages. Like, of course there's miscommunications. Yeah. And it's like, I think there was like very small ways that I saw that group of friends be like very kind to you. Mm -hmm. And I think I could see that that helped a lot. So you're like, okay, I'm like ready to hang out with people again. I'm like ready to be more involved. And it was like very Mm -hmm. like open arms. Yeah. Which I think is important, regardless of the circumstance. Yeah. To be like, not, I, I just, I don't enjoy friend groups where it's like, if someone's feelings get hurt, it's automatically drama and like gossip. Yeah. I just don't, it's not my thing. Yeah. Don't and worry. I, and I felt bad because like in, I was like a little bit embarrassed because I, in the group chat had said, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like I know my reaction was a bit aggressive. I, I think that was like the one text I sent. I was like, well, you dropped me off to hang out. What the yeah. fuck? That even just, you know, like it was a gut reaction is embarrassing. And I think when it's like you are legitimate, it, there's a hard balance when like you're legitimately hurt. And I think there's, it's valid that you are. But then there's also this embarrassment of I didn't necessarily react the right way. And now I feel like that is going to make my feelings invalidated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's been something I've dealt with in a lot of groups. And that was really like nobody reacted poorly. I've had people respond based on my initial reaction where I'm in pain and God, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells and blah, 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 blah. And instead of being like, okay, like clearly you were hurt. People say things when they're hurt. Not like saying what the fuck was like a huge, I didn't like, I I honestly didn't, I knew your feelings were hurt, but (laughs) I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Um, In the sense of like, I wasn't like, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I uh, see the situation, yes. <laughs> now that I'm here and my alcohol is wearing off, I do see the situation. Anyway, it was related because I yeah, do it think is. it's like often either the single person or like you were saying, the the one single person or the one coupled person who kind of ends up on that, the side of yeah. those types of things that I was in that situation. Well, and one thing that made me think of is like, I do feel like a lot of the communication things like we've talked through in our friendship mm-hmm. or in friend groups where it's like how you respond to someone when their feelings are hurt, which mm-hmm. I feel like all of our friends are very mature in the way we handle yes. those things. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of times when you're in like, like I was in a 10 year relationship, I was married, mm-hmm. we went to couples counseling twice, you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like, or with two separate therapists, not like two sessions yeah. <laughs> for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are like 101 things that you talk about when you're with a long-term romantic partner mm-hmm. of like how to have a, where the focus is longevity Yeah, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. The focus is not like everyone being the happiest they possibly can every right. second of the day. Mm-hmm. The focus is how do you have a relationship that lasts and a lot of like the communication tools you have are around like really creating space for each other mm-hmm. and being empathetic and communicating your needs clearly and like mm-hmm. the way we are taught to communicate with a romantic partner so different with longevity in mind is totally different than the way we are taught to interact with friendships where Mm -hmm. it's much more focused on well this person one thing happened and I don't know if I need a friend like that in my life yes you know and it's like yes and it's not like oh one person teaches you like that is socially how we are taught Mm -hmm. to to treat romantic relationships and friendships where friendships are so easily cut out Mm -hmm. and romantic relationships, you're so willing to cut everything out for that relationship to last. And I I really feel like all could benefit from like a more medium ground approach. Yes. A more middle ground approach. Yeah. We've been in uh, my uh, master's program. We had a multicultural class last term and we have an ethics class and stuff right now. And a, a lot of what we've talked about is like, how do we as counselors not push our Western, white Western in particular yeah. values of like individualism, mm-hmm. particularly onto clients of different cultures that are more relational and communal. And yeah. I think... I know where I'm going to struggle with that when I'm a counselor is like, if I hear someone is, is dealing with like an abusive parent and you know, my gut reaction is like set boundaries, 
eventually, if it's bad enough, you cut them off. Yeah. And, I, and I've said that to my friends. And, you know, I'm very privileged to not have had to yeah. even think about doing that with my parents. But so that definitely comes from a place of privilege. But it's also a very white Western way of thinking. Yeah. And I think that while that our emphasis on boundaries and individualism in many ways is good... I do think there is, I feel like I've talked about this before on a different episode. I do think there is a major, major downfall that is going to be very detrimental in the long run when we are focusing so much on uh, even the language people use is like, yeah, like you said, like, I don't need this type of person in my life. Yeah. Which in, in some cases is true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think so. I also feel like at least growing up, like I have talk to you about this. I had one friendship in high school that I I tried to set a boundary with her mm-hmm. and I don't think I approached it well. Yeah. And we were quite young mm-hmm. and it like ruined our friendship. And mm-hmm. I have to this day, I regret handling it that way. Not that it's like, oh my God, you know, whatever. We were friends in high school, but I regret handling it that yeah. way. And I think we would have remained friends for a much longer mm-hmm. time, if not to this day had I handled it differently yeah, just because of like the specific circumstance. And I think one thing I have learned from being in therapy for so long now is like there are definitely valid situations where it makes sense to cut people off. I had a situation like that this year and it was like a black and white, you are not a person I want in my life. Yeah. But I think most of the time Mm -hmm. we fail to set boundaries I do that. This is a me, but I think a lot of people are this way. Sure. Like we fail to set boundaries in relationships that are small boundaries, that mm-hmm. are healthy boundaries, that are easy to communicate with people, mm-hmm. that are not hurtful. Yeah. So that we're happy in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then when people take too much energy, take too much time, take too much space, mm-hmm. we are like, oh, we have to cut them off. Right. And it's like, no, there are ways to have... Yeah. friendships and have relationships and set the boundaries you need right. so that you're happy in that relationship without having like making it this huge thing. Right. And that has been like probably one of the most important mm-hmm. things I've learned in therapy, but still really struggle yeah. to execute. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And the, I think a lot of the feelings that people have where it's now that like the boundaries are so intense. Yeah. I'm going to say that and I'm going to clarify that you then end up anybody who needs anything from you ever is like a, how dare you? Yeah. I'm not obligated to you as a person, as a human being. Yeah. And I think too, like we just had this issue where, you know, our boundaries kind of often butted heads, but heads. Yes. Because for several reasons, just because of the types of boundaries we have and the needs we have as individuals. And I think, you know, we recently had a discussion where, you had boundaries. And I think the conversation ended with, I asked, when you set these boundaries, how would you like me to respond? And you said, I would like, you know, you to kind of like maybe wait to express the opposite. And I was like, okay, totally can do that most of the time. If it's really important that I express my boundary right then in that conversation, what can I do to make sure you feel like it was a good and right thing and I appreciate you sharing your boundaries yeah. first. And I think I said I need you to like verbally Say, validate yes. what I just said. Yeah. Like really 90% of that conversation needs to be like I'm so happy you shared this with me. Yes. I hear you. I, I I get it. Yeah. And also yeah. me. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew I knew there was probably going to be times where it's like this yeah. is important right now for me to also feel like I can share yeah. my boundaries and that I I don't want that to feel like a threat yeah. or disrespect to yours, right. but mine are just as important. So how do we make sure, especially with yeah. your you know, struggles with just setting them in the first place, yeah. how do we then make sure that we have this discussion in a way that is Where we doesn't make you feel like good. you're you know, holding yeah. boundaries in a vice grip and I don't walk away feeling like I didn't even get the chance to express mine yeah. for fear of you know making right. you feel like I didn't like respect yours. Yeah. And like, that was a very important, we both walked away from that conversation. Like, wow, we really needed to have that. That was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And also like, I was very nervous. I always Mm -hmm. get really nervous in conflicts. And I was like, I'm going into it. Like, I wasn't like, this is going to end our friendship. But I think there was like a gut 
feel got like oh, what what if this is just like something we can't come back from yeah and then it, you responded to everything i said so well and then it was like okay <laughs> we're good <laughs> it's okay yeah like relax but i think a lot of times like at least i do this like i think conflict in a friendship can just like balloon into this thing in your head where mm-hmm. you're like we cannot come back from this or like Mm -hmm. because this is just a friendship this person Mm -hmm. isn't going to make the effort to meet my needs on an ongoing basis yes and i think the important circling back to platonic love (laughs) yeah the important part about that conversation to me was it was like okay this is a friend that just took a lot of stuff that i just said that's like Mm -hmm. this is where this is coming from this is why i reacted this way this is why it hurt me so deeply even though like what you did wasn't necessarily bad Mm -hmm. and your response was like wow thank you so much for telling me all that that makes me understand you so much better Mm -hmm. how can it's important to me to meet your needs you also were like you're such a good friend to me i want to create that space for you Mm -hmm. how can i meet your needs moving forward Mm -hmm. and it was like wow this person just really heard me and understood me you know and like i think that's something we really only demand as a culture from partners romantic partners from long-term partners and i think a lot of times we don't maybe not demand is the right word like expect that Mm -hmm. from a friendship i think sometimes we really accept surface level friendship Mm -hmm. where it's like if you have a friendship that's like this is a friend that I want in my life mm-hmm. for my entire life. Mm-hmm. You have to do the same interpersonal work that you do yeah. in marriage. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's reasonable and something we should accept and expect from people. Yeah. And it's like, it is difficult. And I think you will have seasons with friendships where they kind of ebb and flow like any relationship. But I think mm-hmm. that has been like one thing that it's like, I want not all of my friendships need to be like the most deep relationships I have, but to have friendships like that Mm -hmm. where I can walk through my life single Mm -hmm. and feel like, wow, I have all of my emotional, interpersonal community Mm -hmm. needs met. You have to have friendships that are that deep. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're, you have to be able to talk through those things. Yeah. And proactive. I mean, I feel like the, you know, we were, I think talking, you were talking about a friend that was like the first friend to show you like what a friend should be. Oh, and yeah. I think I mentioned that. Shout out to Kate. Yeah, I think I mentioned that. So it took me later in life, I think, to find that for sure. Yeah. And the the thing that really like set y'all apart as friends that has allowed me to like really care about these being long-term friendships about maintaining them is that and I have other friends like this too y'all were really like the first kind of big ones now luckily I have a lot of friends who are who are the same way but was being proactive yeah I remember there was a time when my friend Sarah in grad school we were supposed to have dinner and she ran into an old friend or something and so she texted me because we were just going to order in we lived together at the time yeah so we're just going to order in or something like that and she was like hey i just want you to know you're probably going to see photos on instagram that i'm going to be late you're probably going to see photos on instagram this was an app not run in with somebody i'm going to spend a little bit of time with them because she knew that especially in that stage of my life also, who wouldn't feel like did you just blow me off yeah, like, did you blow me off? Was this planned and you didn't include me? Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And then Janelle has always been really good about that, too, when there's something where she's, like, before I even say anything, yeah, she'll, like, send me a text and say, hey, like, I know this can, something like this might be, like, would be really hurtful to you. Like, here's the context. Here's the context. And it's not like I asked for that. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think, a huge difference with some of these friends is like, obviously, you need to be able to ask your friends because not everybody can read your mind. But I do think it's there's this proactive level of care with the friends that you are able to have much more intimate, like, relationships with because they know how things will affect you. And it doesn't matter if it's logical. Yeah. And I think that's the huge difference is like, I know, I know a lot of my issues aren't rational. They are trauma. They are triggers. They are disproportionate. Which, but but nobody's coming at me and telling me yeah. that. They're saying, I understand why this affects you. Like with you saying, I understand the gravity of this situation. Yeah. 
of course, it was a disproportionate reaction to what happened, but it makes sense with my history. And that makes such a huge difference in the proactive nature of some of these like more intimate friendships that yeah. I have is like, you aren't just waiting for something to happen and then having to explain something after. It's like, hey, I'm aware that this will affect you. Yeah. And I think like a huge part of that is understanding like we all have those things. Yes. And like any, I am reading a self-help book, (laughs) but one of the things she was talking about, I like listened to it on my um, flight this weekend was about like that that is a normal reaction. Like if you have something traumatic happen, which we all in this lifetime have something happen, whether it's like a huge acute trauma or it's something that was like, ooh, like I didn't have my needs met over my childhood or in a relationship Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, like that is the normal response is to create these kind of like mm-hmm. irrational brain chains yeah. where you're like, okay, well that means this. We yeah. all have those things. Mm-hmm. And I think at least in my experience, the best f- closest friendships I've had are people where I feel deeply understood mm-hmm. because they really take the time and care to like listen, to yeah. really pay attention to like, what my, I think in a sense, like what everyone's story is and yeah. why you are the way you are and why yeah. some things would be more sensitive mm-hmm. to you. And then the other side of that is like loving people generously. Like I think for me, mm-hmm. it's very important to me as I learn to establish boundaries with people that I'm still generous in the sense that like you assume good intentions in the people close to you. This person, I might be taking it this way, but like this person has good intentions. This yeah. is not about me. This is about them. I mm-hmm. can see where it's coming from mm-hmm. and being able to like, yes, have a conversation. Yes, set a boundary. Yes, create space for yourself in a mm-hmm. relationship, but like still be generous with how you love the people in your life. And that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be for everyone. Yeah. But for like, you know, the people yeah. in your life. Who and they give to. you the same. Yes. And that it's reciprocal. Yeah. And I feel like the closest friendships I've had have been that way where yeah. it's like, I feel very understood and I feel like I'm given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like, I feel like someone sees my character even in my worst moments. Yeah. It's like that moment isn't defining who I am to that person. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think those are important. Physical intimacy and friendship. It's not gay, period. It's not gay. Could be <laughs> for some people. But it doesn't. I think my my mom always has joked sometimes when I come home for holidays or something, I'm like clinging to her. Like, you know, like she's on the couch and I'm just like, yeah. You know, spider monkey. Yeah. Um, Hang on tight, spider monkey. I knew you were going to mention Twilight. (laughs) And I think, you know, there's that study that's like, I think they did it with like chimps or something. Yeah. Where the monkeys that didn't get physical affection really, really struggled. Yeah. And the monkeys that did have a connection, even with a fake mother, like I think it was like a little stuffed thing that they were given, had a way better time socializing, self-soothing, that kind of stuff. And so I think especially like when both people, when when you're single, it's really easy to not get that need met. Even if you don't consider, I'm not a physical touch person. Yeah, I am. You are. (laughs) And that's still a need that I have that because I'm not a physical touch person and because of like my history, I'm not much of an initiator with physical touch. Yeah. And my mom calls me sad monkey sometimes because I'm just like, when I'm home and I'm safe, I'm like, yeah. You know, but I think that that's something that's really underestimated in platonic friendships is like the need for that physical yeah. touch. And people get nervous, I think, particularly because of, you know, the homophobia. fear that homophobia, internalized homophobia, even with people who are, you know, gay or gay. bi, yeah. like there's still this internalized kind of fear of like, well, even. I've been afraid before being by that, you know, my friends are going to think I'm coming on to them. Right. You know, give people the wrong idea. Yeah. 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 I feel like, I mean, I am definitely like a physical touch person, Mm -hmm. which like my family is not. I'm, I think I'm like the only person in my family Mm -hmm. who's that way, or at least like my mom might be, but she's not a very like touchy feely, cuddly person. No one in my immediate family Mm -hmm. was growing up. But, like, I am a very, like, I like holding hands. Yeah. I like my head being rubbed. Mm-hmm. I like when people play with my hair. I like hugging all of my friends every single time I see them. Yeah. I like to sit close together. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just, I love, like, cuddling. I, and yeah. I think, like, 
having been on both ends of the spectrum now with like being in a serious relationship and being single, Mm -hmm. I think being single, being deprived of that is like the worst for me. And I think in my least healthy mental space, Mm -hmm. I can get into emotional relationships with people just to meet that need. Yeah. (laughs) Like just Mm -hmm. to be held. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not healthy. Yeah. I also think when I was in a really serious relationship, having a very important emotional need of mine Mm -hmm. to have physical touch kind of like owned by one person in my life Mm -hmm. was also not healthy. Yeah. It's like I really needed to be getting that from everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I think like being able to communicate, I also think like not everyone, like my sister is not, she's like, do not touch me. Yeah. So I think like being able to have relationships where you can communicate both ways of like, I don't want to ever like be right. crossing uh, a non-consensually hugging someone yeah. or like making people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I think like having friendships where I can hug people or like I always tell everyone I love them when they leave you know like I think like having that level of intimacy is like very special Mm -hmm. to me and I love friendships where like we can Mm -hmm. cuddle and hold hands and yeah or like I told you I I told you like I love when people like rub my head or pull my hair and like you do that sometimes Mm -hmm. and every single time I'm like (laughs) am I gonna cry <laughs> because it's just something I think like people don't feel comfortable doing in yeah. friendships and like why? Yeah. I I remember we were at um I think we were at Speakeasy and I feel like you just like held my hand to walk to the bathroom. Yeah. And I remember just I think I cried a little bit. I was like, this is really nice. Yeah. You know, like there's and or just standing next to each other and just kind of like arms around each yeah. other because we were at a concert or something. Yeah. I think that night it was particularly emotional because I was a fifth wheel or something like yeah. that. Um but it was just, it was I think nice. You were a that seventh wheel. Seventh wheel, yeah. It was <laughs> that night actually. crazy like that. And it was like, especially in that setting, the yeah. fact that you were giving, because you were with somebody. Yeah an aforementioned somebody and the fact that you were giving me physical intimacy as well was like really important in that moment and made me feel a lot more connected to the group yeah and just to reality in general yeah and like Um, to me emotional intimacy and physical intimacy are like so connected yeah and i think sway often like the most often people like if you say like physical intimacy and emotional intimacy are connected Mm -hmm. a lot of people take that as like just sex yeah and like for me sex is like a very very small part of that Mm -hmm. or like not even part of that yeah that is kind of different yeah. In my mind, mm-hmm. like, I feel like physical intimacy in the sense of, like, it's a person I can go up and, like, hold them. Yeah. Or, like, rub their back or put my mm-hmm. hand on their arm or whatever. And it is, like, an emotional closeness. Mm-hmm. I think especially, like, for me, if I want to be, like, if I'm upset and I want to be comforted, I don't necessarily need someone to talk through it with me. Mm-hmm. If someone comes up to me and just, like, puts, touches me in yeah. a comforting way can sometimes be, like, one million times more meaningful to me. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't think that's the case for everyone, and that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I think, like, even if you're not a physical touch person, I think sometimes that can create emotional intimacy when you have that, like, comfort and closeness Mm -hmm. physically. Yeah. But if I could have someone play with my hair, I would love to start and finish my day that way. (laughs) To be honest. (laughs) (sighs) What does a girl have to do (laughs) to get someone to play with their hair? I think communicating too. I feel like I've said, because I am so bad at initiating physical touch. I think I've said to you, and I remember, I think you, me and Charity and maybe Kayla had a conversation where it was like, I would like to touch more (laughs) because it's like, I'm not good. I am not good at initiating. Yeah. Um, and when I do, it's like, I think it's like, if we're having a deep conversation, I'll just hold my hand out and like, you can take it if you want sometimes. But, and so it's nice having a kind of mutual understanding that this is something we need, even if we're not like naturally somebody who's going to initiate that. I also feel like you initiate physical touch with me because I have said so many times that I love it and it's like a safe friendship. And like, like there was a day where we had to record the podcast and I had Mm -hmm. FaceTimed you crying. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just in a very bad headspace today. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I can't stop crying. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's, I don't know. I just can't, can't get it together today. (laughs) 
<laughs> which like when I watched that episode back, I was like, oh, Sarah. <laughs> but I walked up to your house to record and you were waiting outside the door and just hugged me and didn't say anything and hugged me for like three to five minutes. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're still not doing well, but I feel so much better. I think better. I was also blasting Dancing Queen. <laughs> yeah, you had ABBA playing like when I walked in the house. It was just like a very small, thoughtful thing to like know how I like to be comforted mm-hmm. and like I didn't have to ask for it. Yeah. That is so nice. And it, that is another thing where I feel like we kind of expect that from romantic partners and not from friends. Yeah. And I think it's good in all relationships. Yeah. Family, friends, romantic partners. And you don't have to have physical intimacy with your friends, but it's so... It's so nice to at least have a few. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. As, again, as someone who is not, like, naturally a physical touch person, I think I really underestimated how much I needed it until, like, this past year when I started getting it. I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. This is important. Yeah. Literally, it is important, like, from a developmental standpoint. Like, babies who do not get held struggle with self-regulation sometimes for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Or, like, my sister would say she, she... The one thing that I have understood a lot more about her as we've gotten older is like she really doesn't like unsolicited touch. Yeah. If you just come up and hug her or like she's pregnant right now, if you just come up and touch her belly. Yeah. It's like the worst thing on earth. Yeah. Like she cannot. It's like her skin's crawling. Mm hmm. But that doesn't mean she never wants to be held. Yeah. Like she still likes cuddling and Mm -hmm. she still likes hugs. Yeah. It's just kind of like has to be on her terms. Mm -hmm. And I think. And prepared for it. When she invites me. Yeah. Then I'm like, yay. (laughs) You know, but like, she's a person where like, I would never just like hug her. Right. You know, like without asking or like, I just went and visited her and I was like, I would never even ask to touch her stomach. Yeah. But she asked me if I wanted to and I felt the baby and I felt emotion. Maybe kiss him on the mouth. Don't kiss your friends <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>